Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. And welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I'm going to be your host today. And we have got an amazing episode ahead of us. My new friend, Janet Kurtz, who is the president of Kurtz Hospitality Marketing Company, and she is just amazing. We were talking the other day, and she said, you know what? I've got, I have so many clients that are hotels and restaurants, and what's the next level of clean? What is the what is the thing that we're all going to have to be doing proactively going forward? So I said, let's come on the show. Let's talk about it. She's got some experts, and she's brought in uh, Chuck Cummings and Ken Garza. They're with a company called GHP Environmental and Architecture. And I want to tell you a little about them. They were established in 1977. They are a woman-owned company, a nationally recognized architectural, environmental, and project management consulting firm that has successfully integrated the skills of architects, engineers, program managers, lead facilitators, industrial hygienists, and safety professionals. They have offices in Nashville, Tennessee, Jupiter, Florida, Denver, Colorado, San Antonio, Texas, and San Francisco, California. Recognized as national experts in environmental health and safety structure assessments and remediations, GHP's co-founder developed much of the early science behind hazards related to asbestos, mold, and lead-based paint in buildings. Today, GHP's trained team of EHS experts who specialize in all aspects of environmental health and safety management, serving as a trusted advisor to clients across the U.S. and growing international basis. GHP services include indoor air quality, asbestos, mold, and lead-based paint, remediation design, noise assessment, and project management. So pretty much these guys know exactly what they're talking about when it comes to clean and getting it clean right and sustaining it. So let's welcome in Chuck Cummings. He is uh, one of the partners and the National Accounts Representative. Welcome, Chuck. Thank you, Brandon. Glad to be with you today. We're so happy to have you. And Ken Garza, Vice President of Industrial Hygiene. Ken, welcome on. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. We're doing great. And Janet, it's always nice to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here, Brandon. Thank you so much. So let's get going. Janet, what was your first thought? You wanted to, you, we brought these guys in from GHP. Let's get down to it. Let's do it. Uh, you know, I think that one of the things that we are trying to help our clients with right now is obviously managing through this experience, but also what is the next step? How are we going to market? How are we going to operate? And in that operation, what cleaning standards need to change? Um, in addition to that, how do we communicate to the public and assure the public that the property is clean. You know, there are hotels that had to make the choice to close. That's obviously on a market-to-market basis. There are hotels that are making the choice to become alternative care facilities like quarantining uh, COVID-19 patients and becoming extra emergency rooms for a taxed hospital system. So it really then becomes how do we tell the public that yes our property is clean it's it's you know safe to travel and visit and a lot of that i think comes from what chuck and ken bring to the table which is this expertise and how we're really going to have to change the way that we've been operating um, and how we communicate how we 
clean our buildings. Um, and so I think that's going to be something that is is going to come into play a lot more. But in the meantime, the questions that I have for you guys, and I know we've talked about this a bit, but you work with hotels all over the world. And I'm sure you're getting, you're hearing from your clients right now in a lot of different ways. What are some of the questions that you, Chuck and Ken, are getting right now from from your hotel and restaurant clients? Well, thanks, Janet. I'll I'll lead and start in. We're we're getting a lot of questions from the hotel owners and operators on really how to maintain the building in its current state. Most of the hotels are empty or unoccupied or just not not having guests now, and and they're somewhat mothballed, if you will. And so a lot of the questions are coming to us on how to maintain the facility in a good working order in that condition. Of course, primary to all of that is how do we clean? And we're helping owners understand that that clean, uh, how clean is clean? Well, it, 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 it's a degree and it requires a lot of thought and a lot of process. But those are some of the typical questions we're getting and that we're helping our ownership groups with. That's great. And this is Ken. Uh, we're also hearing from some of our clients, uh, you know, do we need to stop work activities, you know, projects that we have going on in the facility, um, environmental projects or other types of projects um, during these types of during this time. And uh, some of our clients are electing because there is a reduced population in these buildings and less folks to work around. Um, also trying to um, get some of the projects done that they would have otherwise had taken a longer time period and trying to knock those out during this time period. So that's another thing we're also hearing. So then that's, so that's a great point, Ken. So uh, having been in hotels for 20 years, uh, over 20 years, you know, I've certainly been there through renovations or through work projects. And sometimes you're trying to work around you know, you can work in the rooms on Sunday through Thursday, but you better be done by Thursday afternoon because we have a full house on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And so having a closed or semi-closed building would allow those hotels to kind of get those projects done. It, it absolutely does. Um, we have a client right now in New Mexico that, you know, we had a project before all this hit um, and where we were going to have to work around in the spa area of a, of a, of a hotel uh, doing some uh, environmental remediation work. And that was going to kind of take a long time because we're working around the spa still being open. Well, now that the spa is basically closed, they're letting us know, come on in, let's get it done. Let's get it done quick. And so we can just be done with it. So, I mean, that's an example. Oh, that's great. That's so, that sounds like such a smart thing to do, um, to be able to, to, to knock out those projects that you really had wanted to get done, but maybe, you know, it's getting into the busy season, so you can't, you have to put it off until next January or something. So getting into that, you know, and we're, we're talking about before all this hit, before COVID-19, um, well, now we're in the middle of it. Hotels are concerned about their the cleanliness of their facility. There's a consumer confidence issue as people are, um, you know, concerned about the, the place, that about travel. They're concerned about moving around the country and staying in hotels or getting on an airplane, we know that there will be a time where we are again back to travel. But what should a hotel be doing now or, or a restaurant? Um, and they're really two separate questions. But what is the due diligence that a property can do to ensure they're clean 
as well as a restaurant, because some of the restaurants are actually operating right now um, and they've pivoted to carry out only. But what are the types of things that these um, properties can be doing to ensure cleanliness while, during this time? Well, that's a that's a twofold twofold question, as you said, Janet. Some of uh, our clients are taking advantage of this opportunity not only to push forward with capital projects, maybe as Ken just suggested, but they're taking care of a lot of maintenance, preventative maintenance items, and along with taking care of hotels and the air handlers and maybe some of the other F and B items that are that that are of work need. They're also cleaning and, and they're cleaning with their internal staffs. And if they've had a COVID-19 issue, they're cleaning with professional companies, much like you would in an emergency response, much like a hurricane, let's say. So documenting all of that is what's going to be paramount right now, in my opinion. To, to bring a hotel back online, folks are going to tie that to a stigma. Is it clean? Is it safe? Should I go in? Should I not go in? And adequate documentation that you have been maintaining the building in good working order, keeping it clean, I think are going to be paramount. I also think that environmental professionals such as ourselves that write the specifications on how to clean and oversee the work and certify that it's clean will also be key in bringing back a hotel online and giving consumer confidence uh, the ability to want to come back and visit, hold a convention, things like that. You know, Chuck, I think you brought up some good points there. And I wanted to ask just specifically, if I own a restaurant and I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of money right now and I don't necessarily have the ability to hire a professional team to come in and do a lot of this stuff. What are some of the specific things I can be doing right now? My restaurant's empty. What kind of cleaning supplies do I need? What can I do as a restaurant owner right now? Sure, sure. Uh, again, the maintenance component is where I always go back to. So if you've got a dishwasher that's been out or a garbage disposal that's been out or not not in good working order, pulling those things out and replacing those with internal staff serves two purposes. One, you get the item fixed while the, while the restaurant is shut down and you keep your internal staff or your internal maintenance team busy and you keep them viable and it helps them stay in tune with with the work orders that, that on any given day are needed in, in, in a restaurant or a hotel. So that's one element of it, but simple cleaning supplies. We're all cleaning our hands with Corel and other products, antimicrobial, antiviral products. And those are the same products that the facilities normally use and they're still using them now. So I see it as a, as a great opportunity to maintain existing buildings, keep the staffs and the maintenance crews and the engineers in these places viable and working and productive, which is very important right now. And at the end, accomplishing a goal that when you bring the restaurant and or the hotel back online, it's going to be in better working order probably than it was before. And we certainly know it's going to be cleaner than it was before. Heck yeah. And I have one more follow-up on that. You mentioned that you're cleaning with an antimicrobial or an antiviral. Are those two things that work together? Are they the same product or are those two separate products? And how do we know which one we have? Uh, this is Ken. They, they can be two separate products or the same. Uh, typically, you want to access and look at uh, the EPA and CDC have already approved disinfectants, particularly for this type of virus. So, and, and we're not talking about high level cleaning products that cost tons and tons of money. I mean, these are you know, Clorox is on there, for instance. So there's a list of approved uh, 
type disinfectants to use. So you can go and access that and, and, and have a list of items to choose from. So excellent. That's great information, guys. Thank you so much. Sure. Absolutely. So, okay. So we've been doing this. You talked about documentation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I think, you know, as a marketer, I'm sitting there thinking, well, should we post this to our social media or is it more of an internal documentation? So you can say, look, we've done this. This is how, you know, this, these were the processes that we put in place. This is Ken. I think certainly internally for sure. And then to some degree, um, you know, make it aware to the public in a more concise manner. So for instance, uh, I think Chuck kind of alluded to this previously, you know, you have just regular facilities that are just kind of feeling the crunch and, and, but there's no real COVID-19 related high profile issues with that particular property. And then you have properties in in which in fact it's been reported. Yes, there's an outbreak at this facility, such and such and such. Um, And, and, and there's a difference between those two and bringing those two types of buildings up. The one that had the more high profile um, aspect to it, you know, you're going to want to spend a little more time on how you're conveying that to the public. Um, The one that there really isn't uh, an issue associated with it, there hasn't been any sort of issue with that. It's just your typical, like we already just discussed, the good hygiene, uh, good practices in the building. And then as you bring it up, the high profile buildings those you're going to, again, want to document internally the things that you're doing. Uh, and then, you know, me personally, if I walk into a, a facility uh, and I can see that that facility is being proactive about how to interact with people, how they're treating their facility, and I can see that as a customer, or as a guest, uh, you know, I appreciate that. So um, that includes uh, employees understanding high contact areas, heightened uh, housekeeping awareness, uh, minimizing person-to-person uh, contact as much as possible, Purell in every, <laughs> in every corner of the facility, and even to some degree, concise uh, signage talking about your proactivity. I mean, I appreciate that. If I'm walking up to an elevator and I press a button and then I see a sign right in front of me that says, this facility is heightened awareness uh, regarding cleaning, and, and hygiene and, you know, ABCD processes, I appreciate that as a customer. So, yeah, I would tag on top of what Ken said. I mean, if I'm walking in a hotel in New York city three months from now, and I don't see, I don't see any, any information that the property has been cleaned to any degree, then I don't know what I don't know. So I want a level of confidence when I walk into a property. I want to know that this that that the property has been cleaned by professionals. It's been overseen by an industrial hygienist, and and that continuing cleaning is going on. If I know that, that's going to give me a level of comfort. If I don't see that, I'm going to be wondering about it. I'm going to be concerned, and I'm going to ask questions. And and there, that's it. it it's it's do the cleaning somehow document the cleaning but educate your staff in that process so that they can feel comfortable sharing that with the public because we know questions are going to come. The front desk is probably going to be inundated with questions when someone is checking into a given hotel. Has this property been cleaned? And you want to have the right response, the correct response. And if you've cleaned it, the training of that staff uh, to how to share that information with the public is going to be key, in my opinion. So, um, and I'm backing up a little bit here. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your process when you go on property and kind of what your 
not so much scope, but but how you help properties uh, with that, with this environmental issues that they might be facing. Well, it starts with uh, it, it starts with an interview and an observation process. Very quickly, Ken or myself could tell if the property is taking number one the situation serious, and if they're if they're cleaning. I mean, it it you don't want to recontaminate something that you've already cleaned. So there is a process in cleaning of, of, of how to wipe a surface clean, of how to vacuum a surface clean. Air, air filtration is key to all of that. We talked about cleaning products earlier and the attention to detail. So it would start with the with, with the with the interview process, in my opinion, and then some observations, and then a little bit of tweaking would go along with that. I mean, housekeeping, internal housekeeping staffs are they know what they're doing, they're they're diligent, they they they've been in the property, they're familiar with the property, but there's always a tweak here or there that can enhance uh, their process. And essentially, what you want to do is make it easier. So once you've cleaned an area, you want to. You want to lock that area down. If there's no need to have people go back and re-entrain themselves in an area that's been cleaned, then warden it off and lock it down. Uh, it's clean once and there's no reason to go back and clean it again. Ken, I'll let you add to that. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Chuck. So that's a good point you bring up. You know, there's a strategy behind it. You know, you're limiting foot traffic into into spaces that uh, are minimally used or less used or are going to be less used. Let's say you have five ballrooms in a, in a hotel. Well, you're probably not going to be maxed out on ballrooms right now or ballroom activities. Maybe you just, when you, if you were to have something and as you begin to start up, maybe only use one or maybe only use one or two of those ballrooms and leave the others alone, you know, less, Less people in, 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 in less areas is better if, you, if, in fact, you have to clean later. Let's say you want to, uh, you're 30% occupancy at the moment. Well, do you really need to have to spread these folks that you're putting in the, in the hotel all around the facility? Or do you want to limit them to certain floors so that you don't have to uh, have, again, foot traffic, unnecessary foot tra- traffic in other parts of the facility? Those are really good points. If I have a follow-up here real quick for either of you, what are some of the things that you think people miss on a daily basis? So, for example, I watch people clean tables in restaurants or I see people clean surfaces and maybe they have a sanitizing solution, but then they've got a towel and that towel gets used all day long. Are they, does it matter that that towel's been used all day long? Do we need to use fresh towels every single time? Because I feel like the general public has all become experts. You know, before people would just write that off and go, no big deal. But now every single person has become a member of the health department. What are some of the things that we're doing that don't really matter? What are some of the things that we're missing? That, that's a great point. And that's often in conversation with clients. I mentioned that concept to them and in, 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 in some cases it's, it's eye-opening, you know, let's, let's go back to, you know, the hotel setting. I have, think about someone walking into their hotel room. What's the first thing they do is probably grab the remote control and flip it on. And then they are touching this remote, remote control over, you know, a period of time uh, until they check out. Well, if you have cleaning staff coming through and they, maybe they're spraying their towels with, sanitizer and who knows how much they're using or if they're using enough or, or too much, whatever. But then you're wiping down that remote control and then you walk over to the room right next door. You're wiping down that control and then you move over to the next 
room after that. And so that surface to rag to surface contact, in my opinion, is, is, is a big deal. And folks don't seem to get that. Uh, you do, obviously, you, <laughs> you notice that, but um, some folks don't. And, you know, they'll just transfer contamination from one place to another without, without not even thinking about it. So. I was just going to add, it's what we call the dirty mop syndrome, where you use the same bucket of water in the same mop and you're just spreading the germs that are in that bucket elsewhere. So it's a cognitive response to change the water out of the mop bucket, maybe even change the mop head. Back to your analogy with the towel, let's get rid of the cloth towels. Why do we need a towel to wipe a table down and, and, and not use a disposable paper towel type product and then just simply throw it away and grab a new clean towel before or, or paper product before you clean the next table? So I think it's just it's some it's some training and it's some intuitiveness to not spread germs from one spot to the next spot, or in this case, a virus from one spot to the next. And and to add to the, the table idea, why not just, you know, minimize half of that restaurant? And so you're only limited to certain tables versus the entire restaurant, you see? Yeah, limit the foot traffic for sure. Folks will come up with better ideas. I, I anticipate an influx of new products on the market for, for restaurants and, and for cafeteria uh, type settings where it's going to be more disposable. It's going to be tear off a, a, a piece of paper as a tablecloth and put a new one down. And we see that in some restaurant chains. Some folks have, have become more more intuitive to, to, to how to keep areas clean and how to flip a table quickly. And that's part of it too, is, is the time involved in it and the, and the next, the next party that wants to sit at the table. So I think all of that is going to dovetail into new ideas, new products and new techniques going forward. It could be almost a, a semi cottage industry if it's not already. So it's interesting that you said that, and that kind of dovetails into one of my other questions, where, where can people find the best information on what they should be doing, what, uh, where can they find new information? Um, I know we, we touched on the CDC today, but give us some more thoughts on who might be resources for these properties during this time that might have some updated processes that the properties may want to adopt. Sure. Uh, this is Ken. The uh, CDC, yes, they comment on a lot on healthcare-based facilities, but they also uh, comment on other occupied built environments as well that are not healthcare. And they actually have uh, a page dedicated to that. So you can go through there and, and they'll discuss many of the things we've discussed as well as much more. So that's the CDC, the World Health Organization. I think they actually have a, uh, a PDF document that speaks to uh, the accommodations um uh, business or the hospitality business. And so there, there's some additional resources right there. And I would add, Ken, the, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, of which you're a, you're a member, uh, give guidelines along the lines of cleanliness. ASHRAE gives recommendations on, on how to mothball a building or shut a building down, how to protect potable water systems from Legionella growth inside of pipes that aren't being used or water isn't flowing that often. You know, we're certainly concerned with with those aspects too, along with COVID. So it, shutting a building down as we've talked before and turning everything off and locking the door and walking out just because we're not seeing guests is not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to maintain your building in good working order in a, in a semi or quasi occupied state so that when you do bring it back online, other environmental concerns 
aren't concerning. It's just that simple. Have you walked into a building that has been completely shut down that isn't just a shell, but is was shut down for a period of months? And if so, what were some of the experiences you have with that? Absolutely. That's a great question, Janet. So oftentimes we walk in buildings where the mechanical or the HVAC systems are shut down and immediately you walk in and you feel the stagnant air. Along with that stagnant air, there might be a high humidity count in there because the temperature hasn't been controlled. The air hasn't been dried out and there's moisture in the air. And when you have moisture in buildings and you have any degree of dirt in, in the area, you're going you're gonna to see visible mold growth at times. So that's probably the, the most concerning thing we see in a building that's been shut down for a period of time. As I mentioned earlier, once water systems aren't turned on and they're not flowing, the showers aren't running, the sinks and commodes aren't running. And if you've got a potable water system tied to that, you, you, you could potentially get a slime buildup inside of that pipe. And in those slime buildups inside the pipe, Legionella can grow, Legionella bacteria. And when you turn the water systems back on, if you haven't flushed that or superheated those systems and you haven't changed out the aerator, let's say at the shower or at the sink, that growth can become airborne and you can inhale that and it can infest in your lungs. So uh, we've all heard of, of Legionnaire's disease and that's a, that's a mode of how a person gets that in their lungs. Mm. Oh, wow. That's all Really good stuff, guys. I uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on today and spending the time with us. Is there anything, just if, if I was to ask you like a quick hit, some, the most impactful thing you could tell the general public out there, um, just kind of about cleanliness that people can be practicing right now that isn't wash your hands, what would that be? Well, certainly, uh, certainly when you're in the public and, and you're not home safing, you know, gloves are extremely important. Masks are extremely important. But I think, again, it's it's just the social distancing is the best thing we can do right now. We've obviously seen the the curve has flattened, but just general general cleanliness is 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 where it is now. And, and it's going to be that way in the future. And I think what we're going to see is that not only personal hygiene when you're at your home or your business, but the business, the commercial side of things, I would anticipate that cleaning services around the country and probably around the world are going to ramp up and that's going to be a bigger, a bigger item. The other thing uh, relative to cleanliness I would add is that insurance companies are probably watching this situation very closely. Uh, we, we know that Wimbledon uh, protected themselves, uh, have been protecting themselves, the tennis tournament protecting themselves against a pandemic for the last 17 years to the tune of about $4 million in a policy each of those years. And this year it paid off to the tune of about $150 million. So the, the acuity and the awareness of pandemics, viruses in general, uh, is going to be high going forward. Uh, and for me, I, I just got two points. I suspect you're going to see folks wanting to understand, can I have a plan in place for my building more specifically? You know, much like we have operations and maintenance policies for different environmental aspects of our building, I suspect not many have them for viruses and pandemics and things like that, other than maybe a healthcare facilities. Um, so I suspect you're going to get um, you know, folks really clamoring to have that type of, uh, type of documentation in place. And then, and secondly, yes, you talked about hand hygiene, you know, the six foot distance and all that stuff. But when you're out in public, it, you know, for me personally, having gloves on and even having a face mask is, is, is highly helpful. 
Uh, I know folks have said, well, you know, face mask is really not filtering the air and all that stuff. But what it is, is acting as, as a sort of deterrent. Uh, most people will touch their face over the course of a day. Well, if you've got gloves on your hand and you've got a mask on your face, you, it kind of makes you aware of that and you uh, hopefully cease to do those types of things. So that's that's another just, you know, personal protective equipment type uh, uh, thing to add in there. That's great stuff. Janet, what do you have? I think this has all been fantastic. You know, I think the big thing uh, is once you once properties have put these practices in place, and I think to your point, Ken, um, you know, a change of operation is is probably going to be the next thing that we see. But you know, to what degree is that then communicated to the public so that the public can feel, you know, consumers can feel confident that they can go into a facility and know that it is clean. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today here on Nashville Restaurant Radio. We're temporarily calling it Nashville Restaurant and Hotel Radio. And thank you, Janet Kurt, for being the first and only co-host that I've had so far. You did amazing. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. Uh, you are welcome back any, any time. I hope you, the listener out there, enjoyed it. Thank you, Janet. Thanks, thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, so there you have it. I want to say a special thanks to Janet Kurtz for putting a lot of this together, Chuck Cummings, and Ken Garza from GHP. If you'd like to learn more about GHP, go to www.ghp and then the number one.com. All right, so I hope that was educational. Hopefully, there's something there you can take with you, put into practice. Uh, we're all about proactivity here, so we're going to keep trying to figure out things that you can be doing out there. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please hit us up on Facebook. Uh, that is at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Or find us on Instagram uh, at Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you. Bye.